0: Hello listeners and welcome to the Veterans Care Association and Timor Awakening podcast. The Timor Awakening program is an 11-day immersive, holistic and peer-to-peer veterans program that has a singular vision to promote the health and well-being of veterans and their families. We are currently running programs both domestically on the Gold Coast at St. George's Defence Holiday Suites as well as internationally in Timor Leste. We use the Team Awakening programs as an opportunity to sit down with our participants, either one-on-one or in a group setting, and conduct podcast interviews to capture their stories and their lessons learned, providing insights that we can all learn from as we as veterans and wounded healers go through our own journeys and help others do the same. We'll be covering a whole range of topics including defense transition, mental health, relationships, veteran suicide, peer mentoring, PTSD, and post-traumatic growth. So whether you're out and about, listening to this at home, or driving in your car, we do trust that you'll get a lot out of listening to our participants. Thank you, and enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Uh, We are still uh, on the VCA retreat. It is end of October, start of November. And uh, we're a couple of days into really what is the first VCA retreat where we have a range of different participants, um, mainly uh, facilitators and people who have been uh, involved with the organisation for a while, sort of coming and having their own little team or awakening as it were. And we also have some recent uh, participants who have come back for a second second inning. So uh, sitting down with me next, I have Dennis Bartram. Welcome, mate.
1: Michael, how are you going?
0: I am doing fantastically and uh, welcome to another program. Thank you very much. So, um, you know, in the past, often uh, I would be at a program for the start of it and then at the end of it, so I would have gotten to know people for a couple of days, gone back to my day job, and then kind of come back at the second weekend for the podcast. This is a bit different, so gentlemen like yourself, I actually haven't had the chance to talk too much, and uh, if I'm being honest, don't know much about just yet, but that's what the podcast is about. So, uh, for both myself and the folks listening home, Dennis, tell us a little bit about uh, what your your background is, start off, to to start off with.
1: Okay, uh, what going back to sort of childhood, that's um, to well, Migrating to this country and all that stuff. well of that. I
0: didn't even know there was a migration. Tell okay. us about that. Well, <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, we, well, we, my, my father was an Air Force pilot in the UK and we migrated to Australia in 1962 when I was 10. Okay. Which is well before you were thought of.
0: That's right, I wasn't even a twinkle in anyone's eye.
1: No, <laughs> and uh, the interesting thing is his last posting was to Air Force Kinloss in Inverness, north of Scotland, and he took a job at Longreach in the middle of the central western Queensland. Right, guess. Okay. Slight transition. Just a slight one. Minor (laughs) geographical rearrangement. (laughs) Um, So we started off there. We had four years in Longreach and then shifted to Brisbane. Then I went on to University of Queensland, did medicine, and did a bunch of different things. I was a hospital doctor and then a surgical trainee, and then general practice, and then i like to change every about 10 years. Yeah. And I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. I hope never to to grow up. So ultimately I ended up as an emergency medicine consultant at Ipswich. And then did retrievals with Flying doctors and internationally. No way. And then when I started to grow up, I thought I'd better have a sedate occupation. So having had a surgical background, a couple of masters in skin cancer and stuff, and I just do skin cancer surgery, a couple of days, a couple of days or half days a week, mm. and some teaching for the College of General Practitioners. Wow. Okay.
0: Yeah, that is quite an elaborate career. Yeah, a bit happening, <laughs> a bit going on, and sort of in. Aside from the you know, flying doctors and a couple of things you mentioned there, has there been any sort of direct involvement with with defence, with your medical background or?
1: Well, yes, I joined the Army Reserve in Mackay in 1995 with yeah. what was then known as... Ready Reserve? Well, uh, yes, 11 Basby, mm-hmm. as you know, is one of those beautiful acronyms which they change every year yes. just in case you know what it means. Yeah. And yeah. then it came to Sisby and God knows what else, but... I, I, think think it's, I think it's
0: changed since Sisby. I think I think you're still pretty safe with SISB. I oh. could be wrong. I've been out a little while now. Too, no, so. well, there you go. Yeah.
1: The first military-type thing was Kangaroo 95. Infamous exercise you hear lots about. Mm. And I was working in the emergency department at Mackay. I had a fantastic director there, Bert Sadia, and he'd let me go away for two exercises per year, one with the reserves and one with the regulars because... They were short of doctors in Townsville who would go bush, surprisingly. <laughs> and I had a beautiful exercise, one RAR, where we hitched a ride on HMAS to Brook for three days and then we, we landed at Cowley Beach. There were noises in the bush and I had to protect my team against the bandicoots. <laughs> it was one RAR versus the SAS. Okay. So then we had helicopter rides and Hawks and Hercules. One RAR chased the SAS... They knew I was a doctor because I had a bright orange Thomas pack in the jungle, so I figured that I was the first person that was going to get shot off the real bullets, but they were all very friendly. And I thought after that, what would you pay at a bloody tourist agency, travel agency to do all those things? Uh, And it was an absolute hoot. So then, I'm not sure which is the right order, but I ended up doing a locum in Port Moresby for two months. And the job was... Had a stamp SMO PNG, SMO ADF PNG. So I was a senior medical officer in PNG, but nobody told me I was the only medical officer in PNG <laughs> for the Defence Force, one of those sort of situations. Sounds about right. Yeah. Pretty normal. Yep. But it wasn't all that busy and um, had a good time. Had a, had a really good time. Um, I don't know how much detail you want and how long you want me to no, wa- please, wa- please. warble on, but yeah, yeah. it was pretty humdrum in Port Moresby, so except that it was incredibly bloody threatening because it was a sort of scary place. And, um, but there are a couple of memorable things. One was where an Australian expat got his throat cut in the Trobian Islands. So I had to hijack a Hercules and go up there and bring him back. How did that happen? Oh, I think one of the locals was trying to pinch his boat. Okay. And they snuck up on his boat. Unfortunately, he was bald. And they grabbed his head and slipped over the top. And he sort of half cut his throat. Benefits of male pattern baldness right there it could save your
0: life. There you go. So don't worry about
1: all these replacements. <laughs>
0: I'm one of those vain people that does these replacements. So, uh, I, I, would have, I would have died. I would have succumbed to my wounds. Well, in there. well there you go. Yes.
1: Um, so that was interesting. And then the other interesting time is we went to Mendy and then to Lay. Mm. Very peaceful. And I'm, I'm proud of this bit because... They were showing me around the hospital in, in, in Mendy, and there were all sorts of interesting things like leprosy and stuff like that, and I was doing my tropical medicine training at the time, just for fun. And uh, we came across this cot in the corner, quite a big cot with a fly screen on top, and I said, well, what's going on over there? And they said, oh, he won't die. What? He <laughs> was a, about a 12-year-old boy who had been badly burnt two or three months before. And uh, they said, oh, we'll, we'll keep going. And, uh, I was just spooked by this. I thought, no, no, no i to go back, and take some pictures, and and we took his took his bandages off. And his uncle was there. And I said, "Look, no no promises, but I'm going to go back and see what I can do." At the end of the time, two months, hopped on the plane. Who should hop on the plane beside me? But the New Guinea representative for Rotary and Rotary Oceania and the whole bit. Long story short, he got the boy to Brisbane. Mm. He was he was no picture of. He's no beautiful picture or handsome, but he was able to see, get his head up on lots of stuff, and all because I t- took a couple of pictures. Wow! Mm-hmm. So that was great. Uh, thereafter, I think because I'd done that, I'm, I met a Colonel Wells. Yeah, he was a senior medical guy from Sydney, I think who was touring, and uh, then I got got a gig with Interfet as RMO for one JSU. No way! Which was quite good fun. So you were over there sort of the early days? Of no, not really. It was really more about January, January it's 2000. Well, that's still early, early days. Early, yeah. early, early early-ish. Yeah. I didn't do much, really. I didn't do much there. The most interesting thing was looking after the militia prisoners and there was so much time on my hands that we could go to the Silesian Convent with the Padres and look after the kids and the nuns and the whole bit, make sure they're okay. Uh, oh, we did some exhumations. They like to have I like don't have a doctor there to try and work out the poor buggers were killed, you know, whether mm. they were shot or stabbed, and I didn't have a clue. But there was another doctor there who had been a pathologist, pathologist from yeah. South America or somewhere. And he said, "Well, this is how you do it." So, okay. learning on the job. Yeah, yeah. And so, y- were you on like um, CFTS at this point, like continuous full time service, or were you? as No, a re- I think ha- I did transfer. Well, transfer you to full time service just for the period of that deployment. The, yeah, and, and safety, go yeah. back into the cupboard. Yeah, which I, which I, well, everybody bloody well left me. We went. We went across on the um, on the big, big Jervis Bay, Javis Bay, Javis Bay, mm-hmm. Javis Bay, which was great. Uh, I, was, I usually get seasick, sick, but it was like a mill pond. <laughs> <laughs> I was all doped up; I could hardly speak on the pills. Mm-hmm. Mill pond, but I got sick with some dingy-like illness oh, in the God. last week. I was all pissed off. <laughs> me? Um, so I hitched a ride on a hurt and came home. Then how, what happened? How long in total were you there for? Just two months. Yeah, just two months. New Guinea was two months, Timor was two months, and it's funny how these things work out. Then I met somebody else, and they needed somebody. They needed an anaesthetist on Bougainville. And I'm not an anaesthetist, but emergency consultants yep. can look after an airway and put people to sleep. Yep. yep. So I, I, I became a pre- 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 pretend anaesthetist. I'd never seen the kit, which actually comes out of a suitcase. So I went over to Nogger, and they got one out. It was in storage. Mm-hmm. Had a look at the kit. Okay. Went across. The interesting thing is, I don't know what you know much about anaesthetics and stuff. Is you you like to have oxygen in a hurry sometimes? The only oxygen in Bougainville was an oxygen concentrator. Right, <laughs> so sucks it out of the air, so it's not all, it's not, it's not, not all that quick. Yeah. Anyway, right. lie me down. If we didn't arrive, and Hercu- big day too. Hercules landed. No, it didn't land. Hercules was, was coming into Bougainville. and the load. He said, "Excuse me, sir. You're the surgeon." So I heard them talking. I saw Gavin, furrowed brow, and he came over and said, We've got a, a little boy blown up. And what these kids do over there is they get World War II armaments and things out of the jungle and they put them in the fire. Mm. But it hadn't gone off, so they'd sent him back to poke the fire, and guess what? went off. It went off. And So we landed, and I passed the real anesthetist. He said, he said I hope you can give a gas because the kitty was in our helicopter that took us to where we stayed. So, we gave him an anesthetic. I think we operated him for about four hours. And then um, a couple of days later, the surgeon said, I oh, he just happened to be a video, assist, video assisted thoracic surgeon. Lovely guy. He said, Oh, we've got to open his chest. I said, Are you kidding me? I'm not a real anesthetist. He said, You'll be fine. Because his lung wouldn't come up. So, we gave him another anesthetic. Six days after the event, I took him back in the helicopter. Um, he never whinnished or murmured all mm, mm. the whole time. He's a very placid little kid. But I enjoy taking the piss out of him because I was in the back seat and I'd tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, Daniel. <laughs> 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 but just to be able to take him back was, yeah, was absolutely yeah. huge. Fantastic. this little sort of stuff you want to hear?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we sort of want to ground it in a bit of context of, sort of what your background is. I guess moving forward, I mean, that's a fascinating story. I mean, there'd be no shortage of things we could burrow down and if we had... 24 hours, I'm sure there would be no shortage of stories and and anecdotes you could share as well, but I guess moving forward from all that is what sort of brought you to here? How did you find out about VCA and what's brought you on a program? Well, well,
1: I did Iraq after that in 2000, into 2004. I was an emergency consultant with the American mob. Yep. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was a blast. Mm. IEDs and all that sort of stuff. But yep. it was confronting. There's no question about it. You get 12 blown up people all at once. That's a little little confronting. I mean, I was lucky I got there after Fallujah. Yeah. That was yeah. really, really bad. So, yeah, happy to move on from there. Yeah. How did I find out about this organisation? Oh, just for grins, I became an ordained minister over the last okay. three or four years through One Spirit Interfaith Ministry in the States. So it's I look after all all faiths. Mm. I don't I'm an Anglican background, but relate to all faiths. And especially atheists who I love talking to, cause they're <laughs> honest and they're smart. <laughs> they don't bullshit. Yeah. Um, so I do honorary chaplain work at Ipswich Hospital now on a Thursday morning. Okay. And I do some stuff with the young vets as a volunteer in Ipswich. And I'm not sure how I got onto this. I must have. I really, not, I really can't remember whether I was just cruising, looking mm-hmm. for things, or might have just heard about Padre Stone. No?
0: I was going to say it him. sounds like that's how the connection him. was made. Yeah,
1: got onto him and then. Float from there. And from there, went to Timor Awakening 21 in yep. August. Mm-hmm. How was that for you? How was that going back after 20 years? Oh, it was fabulous, absolutely fabulous. Mm. Um, you're sure you heard these stories over, but it was when we, as you say, it was only relatively early, early 2000. But as we went in in, in from the airport, all you could see was burnt. Did you go to Timor? I was there much much later, two
0: thousand and nine. So, uh, I mean, and in some ways, it hadn't changed a lot. Absolutely. But there
1: was no burning and stuff like that. So yeah, all the yeah. everything was burnt. And, and yep. I'd heard stories that the the Indian, uh, the uh, Indonesian militia had put petrol in the water. Water. They did trucks and set fire to all not, these not things along with dead bodies and all sorts of stuff, irrespective of yep. who was in them. So it was the most depressing place. The, um, but as I say, I didn't really have have a lot to do except for things I've mentioned. But yes, to go back in August and. See it in a peaceful state to engage with the just the beautiful nature of the people and their gratitude for what we'd done. Mm. I mean, I can see why they chose East Timor. I mean, we fucked up everywhere else and it's <laughs> not secure. I mean, Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan really ill, Ill- conceived wars. Timor
0: was like our good news story, isn't it? Yeah, uh, uh, relatively speaking. Sort of, except Compa- for the oil. Compared
1: to... Well, yeah. yeah. Because two weeks... I was there for two weeks, and our CEO, or OC, I can never remember the difference, said, at the O Group, said, good news, chap. chaps, we've signed the Timor Gap Oil Treaty. Yeah. But my heart sank. Which was not beneficial for them. My heart sank. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the real downer of the whole time. But to answer your question, just absolutely beautiful. To see their smiling faces, to see the way they're kicked on, to... Hear about their attitude towards forgiveness. So as that's a, incredible, a, isn't it? As as a, an Anglican, uh, brought up a Church of England, and we came over here. Forgiveness is related to contrition and saying sorry, which you probably should be the majority of times, and don't do it again. Mm. That's all. That's all it's for. Well, well, that's what guilt's for. Don't do it again. Make up what you can. Don't do it again. Don't carry the guilt. But these people, Zanana Gusmel and Horta, just said, "Look, we've all done dumb things. Move on." Yeah. And that's what shows, doesn't it? You know, that, that otherwise there would have been, would have been a shitstorm. There's no question about that. If yeah. they'd wanted reparation, Indonesia wasn't going to give any ground. Mm. No. And even while we were there this last time, a lot of thanks due to, the, to Michael Stone and his, his mm. involvement. Mm. The um, There was Indonesian Defence Minister or something on the <laughs> yeah, podium. I heard about that, yeah. Don't
0: figure. One of the things that I heard Janana Guzman say, which I think was very profound, was that, you know, as you um, sort of, Intimated there that lots of people were um, frustrated and feelings. I know they must pay, they must pay for what they did, which any reasonable think person is reasonable. Would, would, would agree to. Um, but his response, and I'm not, don't quote me on this verbatim, but I'm paraphrasing, but words the effect of it's like, yes, they should be brought to justice. You're yeah, absolutely right. Uh, where, where are we going to do that here? Yeah. It's like, if we're going to do that here by the laws of you know, international international laws of, you know, prisons and taking prisoners and treatment of criminals, they need to have accommodation, mm. running water, showers, and three square meals, yeah, yeah. which is more than what most of the people the in the next team will have. More so, than the locals would have, yeah. So what do you want me to do? You want to afford these war criminals more rights and more... I hadn't heard that before. ...infrastructure well, than you have. Yeah, I mean...
1: It. He's thinking about it. What he? do you say to
0: that, right? The, that just takes the yeah. argument. And just, you know, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's more nuance to it than that but no, uh, but it's just like yeah when you look at it through that lens it's just like y- you just have no choice but to just move on really and i'm sure they haven't all done that but when you look at it infrastructurally and economically yes. and looking about okay what's the best thing to move forward that's that's just kind of a no-brainer that's a checkmate response isn't
1: it it is a checkmate response. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful gracious gracious response mm. and also i mean i was disappointed but Australia didn't instigate to arraign Indonesia before the international courts. But we know why, we, we, we know politically.
0: Big scary neighbour to the north, all yeah. that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, all that sort of stuff. So yeah. um, in respect of, uh, yes, I think forgiveness stands out. Mm. Um, we went on the bike ride, I don't know whether you know, from Dili down to yeah wherever yeah. the hell it was. Yeah, down to my, uh, Oh, Dili. Uh, Balboa to I'm, Maliana. I'm, I'm getting confused now. Yep. Yes. The fort down to... Yes. Yep, yep. And, and Ma- Michael Stone had said it wasn't far, but then Michael Stone's very, very fit. <laughs> and and so we set off, and then you go around a corner and there was a bit of a washout, and there was half a dozen kids saying, Bondi, so you're bondi over here, and you're watching out for this on this bike. Got to the bottom, and I was with the Padre, who said it's only another 500 metres. Well, it's another five kilometres, if it was, if it was <laughs> a yard. So, so we, we just, just made it, but it was good fun.
0: Well, they that Stones did the tour de Timor back in I think I don't even know what year two thousand and eleven. And good Padre Gary Stone came off a couple of times, and uh, I think he fin- I think he finished it. I think he did did yeah. all right for an, bloke. for an old boy. Okay. <laughs> Same age as me. Yeah, young okay. man, I meant to, That's Though, If I had a um, sound effect, it'd be the sound effect of backpedaling. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Dennis, what's, um, we'll, we might wrap up soon, but what's next for you? So you're going to, we're halfway through the program, um, you know, obviously complete this. Where, where to from here uh, for you?
1: I, I, I'm happy to be a mentor. I'd love to be a mentor and go back. Mm-hmm. I met Brian Boone at the last Team Awakening who's a, a water engineer And so I intend to go to Vietnam next. Well, it's going to be February or or March next year for Mm -hmm. a month or so. And I'll be very keen to do something there. And then possibly another Timor Awakening roundabout Anzac. Yep, yep. So I'm happy to be involved. Might be seeing you there. Yeah, yeah, are you going?
0: Well, I haven't actually been to Timor in three years, so we came back... um, 6th of March, 2020. So you can probably remember what was happening around the world. And then mm. COVID was really going into lockdown. So we were lucky to get back into the country because we had a few people with influenza A, myself included. Mm. Um, but I haven't been back since then. So I've done obviously almost every single domestic program to some extent or another. But uh, to get back over to the motherland where this has all started would be fantastic. So I'm hoping to see you there, mate.
1: I hope so too. And thank you very much.
0: Thank you so much for your time tonight, Dennis. And I uh, really look forward to um, sharing this with people some awesome anecdotes and stories there and thank you so much for everything you do for us You I know, mean, you bring the expertise and it certainly certainly adds to the the certainty and the morale and the sense of security that people have and they know that there's a doctor and someone who understands veterans more importantly yep. in our midst so thank you so much thank you very much indeed mike thank you so much for listening guys and if you do have any comments or questions feel free to reach out to us at support at veteranscare.com.au and we do of course encourage you to share this podcast out to anyone who feel may benefit from it thank you so much and we look forward to connecting with you on the next podcast bye for now